Good morning. Welcome to Valley Lights Church. Once again, glad to see you're here. My name is Bruce. I'm the lead pastor. And if I haven't got a chance to meet you, I'd love to after our service today. A few Sundays ago, I hopped in the car to drive to church, to drive here. And it was one of the first like cooler mornings that we had. And the car wouldn't start. So I had a couple kids with me. And so I I actually called up James, so James was coming <laughs> to play guitar, so I, we all hopped in his truck. But I had to figure out, where I, what's wrong? Why is my car not starting? Is it the battery? It wasn't the battery. I had, I had to get a new one, but that didn't solve the problem. Alternator, no, that was good, showing, showing all right. Relays, I checked some of the fuses. None of that was working, so I, I went to YouTube University, <laughs> and uh, I got some training and education on all the possible reasons for a no start. And it turns out it was, did anybody get any guesses? It was the starter. <laughs> it, was, it was the starter. And the starter is kind of a tricky one because it can, um, it can seem like that, but it might be something else. It gets, it gets comp- kind of a little complicated. So until I figured out what the problem was, it was a mystery. It was a mystery I couldn't figure out how to solve. And uh, replacing the starter is, was a very difficult job, at least for me. So I wanted to make sure that it was the starter before I totally spent hours and got grease all over me and everything. So I placed the starter and it worked. So that moment of truth when you turn the engine. I, I actually, the YouTube video I was looking at, the guy, the mechanic says, oh, this is my favorite part is when you turn the key on and you see if it works. I'm like, I hate that part. <laughs> because so many times I've turned the key like, yes, no, it didn't work yet. <laughs> So it's, it turned on. That was a mystery that went on for a period of time, but I could solve that mystery. It would be nice if cars were the hardest thing to figure out in life. <laughs> uh, you know, if it didn't get any more complicated than that, that would be nice. But sometimes we come up against challenges or problems that seem really impossible to figure out. We've all got puzzling problems that we can't totally understand. There's some mechanical things like a car, there may be relational things, there may be spiritual or maybe even economic challenges. Maybe, some, there, maybe there's something in your life right now you feel like it's not really working or it's not working that great or there's a part of this I don't totally understand. The word mystery, if you look in the dictionary, it's got a couple different definitions. One is that it's, it could be a religious truth that one can know only by revelation and can't fully understand. So a mystery is something you can't fully understand, or it's something not understood or beyond understanding, an enigma. So if, you, if you've got some sort of mystery in your life, there's something that's sort of baffling and perplexing, and it just feels like explanation is evading you, <laughs> or getting it figured out is just, it's, it's defying explanation. So today we're going to read a part of the Bible that deals with a mystery. Actually, it's a life and death situation that seemed really impossible to figure out. It's in the book of Daniel, chapter 2. And last week, we started this series on Daniel, the book of Daniel. Each week, we're going to read through a whole chapter of the Bible together. So we read all the way through Daniel 1 last week, and we'll read through Daniel 2 today. Uh, But just to kind of catch you up on Daniel, when he was a teenager, he was kidnapped from his family. He was a part of a noble family line in Judah, and uh, they were deported and exiled to Babylon. And instead of being angry about living in captivity, 
because Daniel lived the rest of his life there. He never escaped Babylon until he was 80. From a teenager till he was 80, he never got bitter and resentful about that situation. He actually trusted God and made the most out of his situation while he was there. And because of his faithfulness, he was appointed as a statesman in Babylon, and God really used him in a very powerful way. Actually, he became a confidant to the king of a major world empire. Actually, two major world empires. And so we read the first chapter last week, how he, basically his origin story of how he got into position in Babylon and the way that he had to trust God through that. Today, the second chapter of Daniel, it shows us that some mysteries are beyond understanding. It's kind of what we're talking about. There's, mystery, there's, there's mysteries and things in life that just feel like they're beyond understanding. So we're going to read together. Um, I'm going to be reading out of the, the Christian Standard Bible. And so uh, beginning in, in chapter 2, this is how this story gets set up. It says, In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar, who is the king of Babylon, he had dreams that troubled him and sleep deserted him. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. Sleep is just, you know, sleep is evading you. That can happen. So it says the king gave orders to summon the magicians, medium, sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to tell the king his dreams. So when they came to him and stood before the king, he said to them, I've had a dream and I'm anxious to understand it. So whatever he dreamed, it was very disturbing. And, you know, sometimes you have a dream, you wake up, you just can't really shake the feeling that you have from that. Well, he had this, he had a strong suspicion that this dream meant something. And, you know, sometimes maybe you've had that. You've been like, no, there's, there really, maybe there's something more to this. Maybe God's trying to speak to me in some way. Well, the king couldn't shake it off, whatever this feeling was, after this dream. And we'll actually find out in a few minutes that it was God himself that was stirring up a very disturbing dream. So I'm going to, not all of the verses, by the way, are going to be up there. Since we're going through the whole chapter, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of text. So I'm just actually going to read uh, verse 4. It says, the Chaldeans, now the Chaldeans are a group of people that were known as wise people that actually were astrologers and seemed like they had some supernatural ability to have insight into things like this. And so the king replied to the Chaldeans, um, the, oh no, they, they spoke to the king. It says, may the king live forever. It's a good start. <laughs> may the king live forever. Tell your servant the dream and we'll give you the interpretation. Well, the king replied to the Chaldeans, my word is final. If you don't tell me the dream and its interpretation, you will be torn limb from limb, and your houses will be made a garbage dump. But if you make the dream and its interpretation known to me, you'll receive gifts, a reward, and a great honor from me. So make the dream and its interpretation known to me. So, um, you know, this is, this, is, this is quite a predicament. <laughs> you know, they're, these guys, these Chaldeans, they... they actually really were very well known in the ancient world for their ability to understand some occult arts, things like this. They allegedly could predict the fate of every individual by looking at the stars and other things. They were really famous for this. So interpreting a dream and actually being able to tell you what your dream was without being told, it would seem to fit in their job description. So the, the king actually isn't demanding for anything outside of their experience. So, but he, he just says, this is, seems totally unreasonable. They're like, no, this is, this is totally unreasonable. You actually, you have to at least help us out and tell us what the dream is. Verse 7, it says, therefore, oh no, verse 7, it says, uh, they answered a second time, may the king tell the dream to his servants and will make known the interpretation. 
Well, the king replied, I know for certain you're trying to gain some time because you see that my word is final. If you don't tell me the dream, there is one decree for you. You have conspired to tell me something false or fraudulent until the situation changes. So tell me the dream and I will know that you give me its interpretation. So the king's threatening with some very cruel and severe punishment. They're going to tear their bodies from limb to limb and their house is made a garbage dump. And everybody knows, actually, that this king is very likely to follow through on that. He's very violent, very emotional, very whimsical, and very low value of human life. So this actually, he actually might make good on this threat very quickly. We have accounts of this king killing people in cold blood, especially when his will is not complied with immediately. And I'm not very eager to defend his position, <laughs> but, you know, what he's asking for is not totally unreasonable because these guys claim that they could do this. Logically, here's, a, here's the logic. If they can go to their gods and get the interpretation, they should be able to go to their gods and get the dream, too. If they really do have a channel to the supernatural, this logically should be able to happen. So I don't agree with the king's methods. I do agree with the logic. <laughs> but the Chaldeans, they realize that they're up against the wall. And so in verse 10, it says, The Chaldeans answered the king, No one on earth can make known what the king requests. Consequently, no king, however great and powerful, has ever asked anything like this of any magician, medium, or Chaldean. What the king is asking is so difficult that no one can make it known to him, except the gods whose dwelling is not with mortals. Because of this, the king became violently angry and gave orders to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. The decree was issued that the, the wise men were to be executed, and they searched for Daniel and his friends to execute them. This is where Daniel enters this part of the story. He was an Israelite, not a Chaldean, but he and his friends were included in this class of advisors. And in the first chapter, we see how God blessed them with favor and insight and actually a, a promotion. They got a high promotion and position during their captivity in Babylon. So Daniel, these good guys, the good guys of the story, are guilty by association, and they're lumped into these execution orders that the king is carrying out now. So Daniel, he suddenly finds himself in a situation that is totally beyond his understanding. He's in a foreign land. You know, the Hebrews were forcibly removed from their homeland. Some of his people were already killed. Many were in captivity. And if that wasn't bad enough, the death warrant is out for Daniel. The executioners are on their way. You can you know, the footsteps are in the street. They're searching for him now. And Daniel's totally innocent in this situation. So Daniel now is in a tight spot as well. His life is on the line. And it's really fascinating to see how he responds. I don't know how you would respond in a situation like this. We, I don't think any of us have quite been in this kind of life or death, you know, life hanging in the balance situation. But there are some things, there are some ways that he responds to this perplexing mystery, mystery that we can actually apply to our situation. So in times of trouble, here's, here's the th first thing we'll look at. In times of trouble, petition God's help in dealing with mysteries. Petition God's help. Actually, this next verse is on the screen. This is, this is great to see how Daniel responds. It says in verse 14, Then Daniel responded with tact and, and discretion to Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to execute the wise men of Babylon. 
So the guy that's in charge of lopping everybody head, everybody's heads off, <laughs> he just walks right up to him. And he asks Arioch, the king's officer, hey, why is the decree from the king so harsh? Then Arioch explained this situation to Daniel. So Daniel, another step of boldness here, he went and asked the king to give him some time so that he could give the king the interpretation. This is a pretty bold move on his part. It says Daniel went to his house and told his friends Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah about the matter. This is actually a really key verse here, verse 18. He urged them, he urged his friends to ask the God of the heavens for mercy concerning this mystery. So Daniel and his friends would not be destroyed with the rest of Babylon's wise men. So here, here's, here's really the key thing. If, we're gonna, if you're facing a problem that you cannot figure out, or if there's, there's ambiguity or there's trouble there, petition God's help in dealing with the mysteries. He urged his friends to ask the God of heavens for mercy. And that word, that word mystery that you see, it shows up nine times in the Old Testament. It's, it's, it's translated from a Hebrew word that means mystery. It appears nine times in the Old Testament, but eight of those nine times are actually right in this chapter. <laughs> and the other occurrence of that word is in chapter four of this book. So when you study the Bible and a word is repeatedly used, especially in a single chapter, then it's really something to take note of. So the word for mystery, if you actually go to the Hebrew word, it also has this idea of being a secret. It's like a secret is something that's hidden. You can't see it. You can't get to it. The only way to get to the secret is if someone tells you. So it means a mystery or secret is something we don't have the answer to, and we don't have a way to find the answer. And that's why Daniel and his friends, they just throw themselves on the mercy of God. What else could we do but just throw ourselves on his mercy? There are some things that can only be solved or understood with God's help. You may have some things in your life that you would love to have the answer to right now. You may feel like you're up against a perplexing problem that you just can't figure out. You want to understand what's going on, but the necessary information isn't available. That's what's meant by this word mystery in Daniel. So maybe, maybe a mystery that you're dealing with right now is maybe the mystery of stability. When it comes, like when it comes to like California or the United States of America and all the things that are going on there, man, when you think about some of the problems and the perplexing things there, like that's stressful. What is going on in our world around us? How do we fix it? How, how is anyone going to take care of this problem? Well, that's probably something that we don't have all the information for. Maybe you're experiencing a mystery in a relationship where you're in a, in a relationship you can't see the way forward. Or maybe, maybe you're not married yet and you'd like, to, you'd like to be in a relationship or there's some aspect of uh, relational trouble or anxiety or worry and you, and you just don't really see the path forward. Maybe the mystery of purpose is where you're at right now. Like, what's, what is even next for me? What, is, what are my next steps in life? What's my direction? Especially if you're younger, college age, trying to figure out which way to go, it, it can actually feel very paralyzing if you don't know what the next steps are. Or mystery of employment. Maybe, maybe you're job hunting. Or maybe you have a job, but you don't, you're not really crazy about it, and the boss is extremely difficult. Maybe it's just, I don't know how to figure this out. You might say, in some area of your life, my approach to figuring out my complex problem is not working, and I don't know what to do. I would imagine that Daniel's response, when he, he's facing this problem, he doesn't know what to do. 
His response is probably very different than the Chaldeans, the people that just serve other gods, don't know the living God. The stress level must have been through the roof for all those guys with like no resources and no way to solve this execution problem. The Chaldeans were probably losing their minds and anxiety just waiting for the footsteps of the executioners to get to their front door. Whatever gods or whatever stars that they you know, got their special revelation from, it wasn't doing them very much good now. There's, no, there's actually no story written about them and how they solved this problem. They were probably fearful. They were also probably, I would imagine that some of these Babylonian wise men were probably really, in addition to being fearful, maybe also very angry and frustrated about the situation that they're in. Like, the king and the authorities, like, this is so unreasonable, like, so unjust. Daniel, on the other hand, though probably also stressed, responded with tact, discretion, and prayer. In your own times of trouble, maybe you could write down the phrase from that verse that we just looked at in verse 18. Ask the God of heavens for mercy concerning this mystery. Maybe that's, maybe that's a, a sticky thing for you to grab a hold of. When you're in that moment, Lord, would you give me mercy? completely dependent on you. I've got no other resources but you. Daniel could have responded with anger at the injustice of it all. But here's the thing. Daniel did not get reactive towards those in authority or to God, his ultimate authority. He didn't respond to the people over him with anger, and he didn't respond to God with anger. In humility, Daniel understood that his position before God he, he was dependent and waiting. And these guys, Daniel and all these other guys, they had no guarantee of escape. They had no way of knowing when or even if God would respond at all. So probably all night, what else, what else are we going to do except for stay up and pray and wait? Then comes the breakthrough moment that they were all waiting for. Like a beam of golden sunlight breaking through dark, stormy clouds. Look at verse 19. It says, the mystery was then revealed to Daniel in a vision at night, and Daniel praised the God of heavens. Man, relief! Oh, it's so good. It's so good to see that God came through. They prayed, threw themselves on the mercy of God, and he came through. God was under no obligation to spare these men. In fact, there was many that he hadn't spared leading up to this point in the history of Israel. But he did mercifully respond to their prayers. And as you can imagine, Daniel's immediate response was overflowing praise and gratitude. I mean, how would you feel if you just received news that would turn back your death warrant? That'd be pretty, that'd be a high moment for your week. And you come to a small group like highs and lows. Hey, I just got spared from death. Okay, that is my high of the week. So a chunk of this chapter of the Bible is dedicated to Daniel's response. And they, they could have just left it at the summary, Daniel praised the God of heavens. But they actually write down, actually, so Daniel wrote this book. He wrote down his actual response, and it's really, really good. I'm just going to read it to you so you can hear. He says, May the name of God be praised forever and ever, for wisdom and power belong to him. He changes the times and seasons. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals the deep and hidden things, and he knows what's hidden in the darkness, and light dwells with him. 
I offer thanks and praise to you, God of my fathers, because you have given me wisdom and power. And now you have let me know what we asked of you, for you have let us know the king's mystery. That's Daniel's praise to God. So not only does God get Daniel out of a very tight jam, but we find out that God gives him a peek into an eternal plan for establishing a godly kingdom that will never fade. So actually, this is, this is more than just a turning point for Daniel. There is actually a very big, huge, historical timeline turning point that was just revealed. He learns the dream, but he actually learns a lot about what God is going to do at the end of history. So this, it turns out to actually be like a super low moment to like a way bigger, this is actually, God was doing something way bigger than Daniel even realized. So as we read the next part of this chapter, we see that here's Daniel praising, praising God for revealing the eternal mystery. And actually, this is something that we can do in our times of trouble. After we petition God, the thing that we can praise him for is we can praise God that he has revealed his eternal mystery. I'll explain a little bit more about what that means. In verse 24, um, again, I'm just going to read this. You can listen. It says, Therefore Daniel went to Arioch, you know, the guy that was in charge of all the executioners, whom the king had assigned to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He came and said to him, Don't destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me before the king, and I will give him the interpretation. So then Arioch quickly brought Daniel before the king and said to him, I have found a man among the Judean exiles who can let the king know the interpretation. The king said to Daniel, in reply to Daniel, those whose name was Belshazzar, they actually, they, they, they renamed Daniel and his friends with Babylonian names. They kind of like were trying to reprogram their identity. But Daniel's still Daniel, and he still serves the living God. So the king says to Belshazzar, are you able to tell me the dream I had and its interpretation. And then this is on the screen as well. Verse 27, Daniel answered the king, no wise man, medium, magician, or diviner is able to make known to the king the mystery that he's asked about. I feel like Daniel's like kind of gets it. He's kind of like teasing out the story a little bit. <laughs> it's like nobody's able to do what you asked, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. That's comforting to know. It's comforting for us to know that there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And he has let King Nebuchadnezzar know what will happen in the last days. Your dream and the visions that came into your mind as you lay in bed were these. Your majesty, while you were lying in your bed, thoughts came to your mind about what will happen in the future. The revealer of mysteries. That's like a, that's like a title for God that you don't really find anywhere else in the Bible. God is the revealer of mysteries. He has let you know what will happen. As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me. By the way, you're picking that up, this word mystery comes up a lot. Like I said, eight times in this one chapter. The revealer of mysteries has let me know what will happen. As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me because, not because I have more wisdom than any, anyone living, but in order that the interpretation might be made known to the king and that you may understand the thoughts of your mind. Okay, so Daniel does the impossible with God's help. And he begins to tell Nebuchadnezzar the dream. Until now, the king was the only soul on the planet who knew what the dream was. But God gave the dream to Daniel so he could tell it to him. And so here's actually an illustration of the dream. And you can see, I'm going to actually read what the dream is, and this is a picture of it. But basically, 
So Daniel says, Your Majesty, as you were watching, suddenly a colossal statue appeared. That statue, tall and dazzling, was standing in front of you, and its appearance was terrifying. The head of the statue was pure gold. Its chest and arms were silver. Its stomach and thighs were bronze. Its legs were iron, and its feet were partly iron and partly fired clay. As you were watching, a stone broke off without a hand touching it, struck the statue on its feet of iron and fired clay, and crushed them. Then the iron, fired clay, the bronze, silver, and the gold were shattered and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors. The only chaff that I really know about is like from coffee beans when you're roasting and then, you know, there's, you blow that away. <laughs> um, you know, maybe if they wrote it nowadays, they would talk about coffee chaff. <laughs> but the chaff that they used, it blew away. So there was no remains of the statue. The wind carried them away and not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the statue became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. So that stone became a mountain and filled the earth. Here's another image that shows this interpretation. So this is kind of broken up, and I'm actually going to read the next part, and we'll make a little bit more sense out of this. Verse 36, this, this was the dream, and now I'll tell the king the interpretation. Your majesty, you are king of kings. Because at that time, Nebuchadnezzar was top of the pile. I mean, Babylon was just sweeping their region. They were, they were, they were on top of everything. He, Daniel says, the God of heavens has given you sovereignty, power, strength, and glory. Wherever people live, or wild animals, or birds, or the sky, he has handed them over to you and made you ruler over them all. So you are the head of gold. That sounds pretty good so far. <laughs> Babylon, the head, gold. So Babylon, the empire actually lasted 66 years. Gold is precious and extremely expensive, but can, compared to this other stuff, it's kind of soft. It can be easily damaged. It says in verse 39, after you there will arise another kingdom inferior to yours. So here's a picture of the Persian empire. This is what comes next. This is actually just, um, just a, a computer-generated vision of, of what Persia looked like at a certain time. That's actually one of the structures in the city of Persia. Daniel doesn't name Persia. He just says, there will arise another kingdom inferior to yours. Uh, we do find out just by reading history that it was the empire of the Medes and Persians, and they ruled for about 200 years, a lot longer than Babylon. Persia conquered Babylon, and Daniel was actually there through the change. We'll read about that later. And be actually becomes a wise advisor to one of the, its leaders. Um, nobody actually knew it was coming, though. Nobody even had a name for this country yet. But what's interesting is that silver, you know, that next section, is harder than gold, but it's worth less. Then Daniel says, then another, a third kingdom of bronze, which will rule the whole earth. So when you read history, what comes next is Alexander the Great. This is a reference to the Macedonian Empire. And without knowing it, Daniel's referring to Alexander the Great, one of history's greatest military minds who established the largest, most powerful empire the ancient world had ever seen. Bronze is stronger and, you know, in, in, in that way better than gold, but it's worth even less. So as you go further down the statue, the substance gets harder and harder. Then Daniel says in verse 40, a fourth kingdom will be as strong as iron, for iron crushes and shatters everything. And like iron that smashes, it will crush and smash all the others. So the next, I mean, make a guess on the next one? Rome. Rome came next. This refers to the mighty Roman Empire, which lasted about 500 years. The idea is that each of these conquering nations 
they conquer the previous one. And each empire is stronger than the previous one. But as strong as mighty Rome was, it's not here anymore. Actually, you remember how it says like that chaff blows away? All these, all these empires, all these mighty, unbreakable, undefeatable empires are gone. They're totally gone. I mean, we've got ruins. Daniel says in verse 41, in verse 41, he says, You saw the feet and toes, partly of potter's fired clay and partly of iron. So what comes, what came, actually what came from Rome is that um, there was some division in that kingdom. He says, It will be a divided kingdom, though some of the strength of iron will be in it. You saw that the iron mixed with clay and that the toes and the feet were partly of iron and f- partly fired clay. Part of the kingdom will be strong, part of it will be brittle. You saw the iron mixed with clay. The peoples will mix with one another, but will not hold together, just as iron does not mix with fired clay. So usually, when you look at history, you have to look behind you. (laughs) But God gave Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel a vision of history before it happened. All this stuff came to pass, just as you said. And here's the very best part. And actually, here's the main reason that God revealed the mystery to Daniel in the first place. And here's the reason he told it to the king. Daniel finishes the interpretation with this. And this is great. This is great for all of us. This is where we praise God. Verse 44, it says, In those days, in the days of those kings, the God of heavens will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. And this kingdom will not be left to another people. It will crush all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, but will itself endure forever. You saw a stone break off from the mountain without a hand touching it, and it crushed the iron, bronze, fired clay, silver, and gold. The great God has told the king what will happen in the future. The dream is certain, and its interpretation is reliable. So, to summarize, this dream, really the cause for so much commotion in Babylon. I mean, the king just threw everybody into like the, a massive heart attack panic. Like the whole, the whole city's upset for this, for this reason. Earthly kingdoms will rise and fall. Only one kingdom will last. This is really the main idea of that dream. Only one kingdom will last. And it's not going to be the United States of America, just so you know. (laughs) There is so much hope in this. This incredible news must have been a very big part of Daniel's praise to God. When he praised God in the middle of the night, he's like, oh my gosh. I can't believe what God is about to do. Well, eventually. How joyful and how hope-filled he must have felt. Daniel knew that he was living closer, maybe to the beginning of the timeline. You know, he was kind of living at like the head of the statue, and there's a lot to pass after that. Daniel wasn't living towards the end of it. But if you know that God is going to bring ultimate victory in the end, you can hang in there. You can hang in there till the end. The king listened to everything that Daniel had to say. The impossible just happened before his very eyes. Daniel accurately just told the king every detail of this dream. I mean, could, at this point, could there be any denying that Daniel has access to the supernatural? Like, if you're the king, you're like, okay, <laughs> this, is, this is totally legitimate. 46, here's Nebuchadnezzar's response. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell face down, worshipped Daniel. Daniel's probably like, whoa, stop. <laughs> The king worshipped Daniel and gave orders to present an offering and incense to him. The king said to Daniel, Your God is indeed God of gods, Lord of kings, and a revealer of mysteries. Hey, there's that title again. 
since you were able to reveal this mystery. Now, this is, this is pretty cool. Totally pagan, godless, violent, barbaric king saying, hey, Israel's God is the God of gods, Lord of kings. Hey, that's pretty cool. Then the king promoted Daniel again and gave him many generous gifts. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and chief governor over all the wise men of Babylon. At Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to manage the province of Babylon, but Daniel remained at the king's court. So the Bible uses many different names for God. Maybe, maybe you, at some point in your life you've, you've studied some of the names of God. There's different aspects of his character that are highlighted by his names. Daniel chapter 2 is unique in giving God this title, the revealer of mysteries. When I was under the hood of my car, I thought, man, I can't figure this out. There's one bolt in particular I just could not figure out. And so I prayed. I got grease on my hands, and I'm, I'm just under, under a dirty car. I thought, God, you're like better than any mechanic. You're like the master mechanic. You know what's needed here. Can you show me how to solve this? Or when we're dealing with a puzzling sickness at home, or like a skin problem, or kids aren't getting better, or, man, this disease is going on. We're like, God, I don't, we don't understand how to solve this. We get some help from the medical community, but like, we do, I don't know what to do. But you do. I mean, you made our bodies. Or if you're in a situation where like, I don't know how to fix this relationship, but God, I know you can. Or this country that we're in, like, how do we fix all of this? There is a way of settling my nerves that comes from knowing that God is the expert in all of the areas that we face in life. He can give knowledge if he desires. So God may not reveal all the mysteries, but he has revealed enough to live with hope. He may not reveal all the mysteries you're facing, but he has revealed enough for us to live with hope. Knowing that God will eventually right all the wrongs, he will eventually establish his kingdom forever. It's going to wipe everything else out. And only his good enduring kingdom will stand. This brings tremendous hope. For a follower of Jesus, we know how the story ends, and it is very, very good. The one is, so the one big mystery has been revealed. So until, really until Jesus came, exactly how God was going to wrap things up and exactly how God was going to bring people to him, it really was a mystery. There were certain things that not even the angels knew about until Jesus came. We know, we know that the mystery is no longer a mystery for those of us who walk and follow Jesus Christ. That is amazing. We, we know who God is and how can we get right with him. There were many, many people on the planet before us that did not know those things. Who is God and how do we get right with him? Many people of God in centuries past only had hints about this. Little, little you know, poetic lines were dropped and little ideas. Even this thing about Daniel, this, is, this really was more just a hint about God, what God was going to do. But we don't find out about Jesus in this dream just yet. We've been given knowledge about salvation and the end of all things. What a privilege. We have, and we've got the Bible, both the Old Testament and the New Testament. There is so much that God has revealed to us. And so this helps us live with the mysteries that show up in our personal lives. There's a lot that we can't figure out, but we can trust him. Daniel and his friends, they knew enough about God and his character to remain anchored and to not freak out. 
So here's a few next steps you might consider taking this week. When I'm in a trial, how, how might I ask, why, why has God put me here? If you're facing a problem or a challenge, it's probably on purpose. It's probably either allowed by God or from God. Why, why has God put me here? I mean, Daniel's probably wondering, like, God, why did you bring us to Babylon and only just have us executed? Well, why? What, what might God be doing? What God might be doing through your trouble, in your confusion, in your pain? Actually, God positions us to influence and bless others. What, what we find out is not only was Daniel in a tight spot, but God used that whole thing to maneuver Daniel into a very influential position. Actually, God had a much, not, God wasn't just concerned about saving Daniel's skin. There was a lot more that he wanted to do through it. Maybe as God brings you through the trouble you're facing, maybe there's actually some bigger things that are going to be accomplished through his plan in your life or your kid's life or people that you know because of how he positions you through the trouble. Another next step might be to determine to trust God in the fog of mystery. If you can't quite figure it out, it feels like a fog, and it feels like, I just can't, I feel like there's something there, but I just can't really see what it is. Instead of going, you know, God taking us around the fog or God taking us around the trouble, sometimes he may lead us directly into the fog. And we just have to decide in the middle of it, do, do I trust him? Will I trust him with this? Will I keep hanging on? Another next step might be to begin looking for answers by praying for mercy, like Daniel did in 2.18, and also by reading the Bible. So we actually do have something that Daniel didn't have. We have this thing, and this is amazingly complete <laughs> and amazingly helpful. And so we can go to God in prayer and by reading the Bible. Actually, God wants us to begin with revealed truth. There's things we can't figure out, but there's a lot that he's made very, very plain and very, very clear. And sometimes we go around the clear stuff when we're trying to figure out the foggy stuff. So begin there, and then another next step might be to read chapter 3 for next week. So if you want to track along with us, maybe a part of your quiet time this week, you break up the next chapter into a few different readings, get ahead. It actually might be very fascinating and interesting for you to read through this book of Daniel in your own time with God over this next month as we walk through it together, because each week we'll, we'll cover another chapter. If you know the book of Daniel, you know that once you get to chapter 7 through 12, it gets, there's all kinds of like interesting prophetic end time stuff. And um, I haven't totally decided what we're going to do when we get to those ones. But, but, you know, for now, read chapter 3. Let me, let me close this in a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you for, well, we, we praise you for being the revealer of mysteries. You have revealed that one big eternal mystery that gives so much hope for us that we can walk confidently in a lot of different troubles in life because we know that. And for those of us that are saved by grace through the blood of Jesus Christ, we know that we are going to spend eternity with you. There will be joy and comfort and hope and love and so much good experience with you there that we can hang on to and keep our eyes fixed on that. I pray, Lord, for the determination and the endurance to trust you when things are very difficult for each of us here in this room. Pray that you would give, would you mercifully give help to those of us that are just stuck and not able to figure out the path forward. Would you give mercy, Lord? Thank you for your incredible love and compassion. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.